Action Fanatics, welcome to the first Bulletproof Podcast of 2021. I am your host, Chris LeBrain. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Chad Cruz. Chad, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I hope you have a good New Year's resolution selected. Well, we're going to get into that here in a minute. Oh my goodness, okay. uh, Let's welcome back to the program, it is Christy Petrillo, the Toy Man. And you know what, Chris? I actually got some feedback on you recently. Uh, Ooh, one of our longtime listeners, Mr. Mike Jenkins, says he really loves the Toy Man episodes the best. What do you think oh. about that? Uh, I appreciate that. I will send him my regards here in this podcast. Hopefully he's listening and hopefully that leads to more collaborations. Maybe we can find some more random and not so random films to focus on in future uh, future podcasts. Yes. You know, definitely one of the resolutions we have as a, uh, a show this year is to kind of cover some of these action stars that may have slipped through the cracks so far. Again, we've only been doing this for just a little over a year. So, you know, cut us a break somewhat, but, and we're going to start right here. This, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about Steven Seagal for the very first time, but what, what is one of your resolutions, Chris, uh, maybe kicking your dollar tree addiction. I don't know. (laughs) Try, Try to put more money in the bank than I do into the dollar tree cash register. That would be a good resolution. It, it would. And it's actually very fitting that we already attack that subject uh, for two reasons. One is that the two of you uh, both have care packages en route. Uh, Somewhere. My local Dollar Trees. A uh, little bit of variety for both of you. And also that my friend texted me earlier tonight saying that he spoke to the woman at the Dollar Tree that he frequents. And she told him that she expects more movies this Friday. Ooh, this wow. Friday. There you go. If you're a Dollar Tree junkie like uh, like Chris, <laughs> you know what to do. Chad Cruz, do you have a, a New Year's resolution you want to share? Uh, you know, I, I have a, a I guess short term resolution, it, and uh, I've mentioned it before. I think uh, maybe on Twitter, if anyone follows me on Twitter, um, that uh, I'm calling it 30 days to flatten my curves because I have developed a uh, a little pooch yeah. um, over the last several months. And by little pooch, I mean, it's getting uncomfortable in these pants. So mm-hmm. uh, it's time to get rid of these bad boys, these love handles that have, have found their way into my body. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a few days in, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. So, you know, next time you see me, if, if you don't recognize me, I'm the really buff, shredded dude. Can't wait for that to, to happen. I'll send you pics, Brain. Oh, please don't. Um. Maybe you share with everybody on Twitter. That's at Chad Cruz on uh, Twitter. If you want to see his uh, pictures, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I guess that would be kind of my thing too, is probably need to cut down on some of the, uh, you know, this quarantine, that junk food is at the ready at all times. So it causes some problems. It definitely does. Hey, you're talking to the guy who just hit up Walmart and target Christmas candy clearance this past week. So. So that's smart. That's just a smart move though. You know, that, Yes, you're going to eat all of that candy. You can share it with your family, I guess, but it's not good for your body. But damn it if it isn't a good value. Absolutely. And it holds up. You know, it's not like M&Ms are going to expire in a week. You know, it's, it's not a dozen eggs or a thing of milk. Exactly. It's longevity in those calories. I like your thinking. I do like your thinking. All right. Well, let's get into it. We're going to be talking Steven Seagal, as I mentioned. We're talking Mark for Death. It was released October 5th, 1990, so we've just surpassed the 
30 year anniversary of this one. Uh, this was Seagal's third film. And, you know, I would, I would uh, venture to say third time was the charm. Cause to me, this is his best film. I, I know I probably have people who will differ with that opinion, but to me, this was, this was always my favorite and I feel it's his best film. What say you Chad Cruz? Um, yeah, you can make that argument. I'm not against that argument. Um, everybody has their own opinion, of course. Um, I, I think that a lot of people are going to say Under Siege would be his best film. Part of that is because the villains are so good in that. The story's fun. The location is unique. There's just a lot going on for that film. Um, but uh, uh, Mark for Death is up there for me. I mean, I love Hard to Kill as well because I think Hard to Kill has some of the best one-liners of any action film in history. Um, so, and and he get he gets to do some of his stereotypical like, you know, the uh, grocery store beat down or whatever, like the market shop beat down. Um, there's just some scenes in Hard to Kill that are amazing, but Mark for Death is certainly a good choice. Well, let's get into it. John Hatcher is who uh, Steven Seagal plays, and he's there with his partner Chico, and they're chasing down a very familiar face, Chris. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Danny Trejo. He of the blockbusters like Machete and of the Dollar Tree DVD bin. D- Danny Trejo, yeah, one of the busiest men in all of Hollywood. He's in about 47 movies each year, uh, but this is kind of one of his earlier films. Um, and he gets uh, duct taped and thrown in a trunk here. So he's not there to interfere when uh, Stephen or John Hatcher and Chico go to a strip club to meet a guy named Little Richard. And Little Richard, played by one of your all-time favorites, Chad Cruz. Yeah, uh, Gary Cervantes. You you probably don't know who he is, Gary Carlos Cervantes, but you've probably seen him in about a dozen films over the years. Normally, he is uh, being killed by a hero. Uh, in this case, he is not. He's meeting with him in a strip club when we when we first see him. But um, it's funny that this film, it wastes no time in getting to the titty bar. It is within three minutes of the, I think, the film starting. So it's it's not it's not messing around. No, it is not. And uh, somehow they, they find Trejo in the trunk and that kind of blows the cover uh, and chaos, instant chaos, including a guy getting his hand chopped hand chopped off and uh then chico gets shot by a topless woman which is nice and uh then old hatch has to shoot his way out of there and it's just again they again they waste no time getting into the action or the titty bar in this one yeah there's like three minutes or i don't know maybe by the end of the scene there's what six seven minutes of the movie that are that have gone by and seagal's character probably already has ptsd (laughs) And I don't think you get any closer to pure testosterone than to have a topless woman shooting at you. It's true. Yeah, yeah that, that gets your blood boiling on many levels, I would say. So after this uh, brouhaha, they go back to Chicago and uh, Hatch goes to confession, which is the ultimate cleanser of the soul. Uh, and, and the priest tells him he needs to, he needs to go back to his family you know, because Hatch is just feeling like he's becoming the very thing he's fighting against. He's, he's becoming a horrible person. So, uh, you know, kind of hit the reset button and go see your family, which then leads him, uh, to go to his boss and, and his boss played by Peter Jason, who's probably seen in numerous things. I, I always associate him with his role in they live. Um, but he quits and that's it for him, Chad. He, he's done. Yeah, he, he, he gives him, you know, he turns in his, his uh, badge and his gun, kind of 
one of those kinds of scenes, but his boss is trying to get him to stay, and, you know, take a month, take two months. Hell, like, like, dude, you should have taken the two months paid. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good deal, but uh, it's probably good for the character of Hatcher that he doesn't have an immediate family. Um, and w- and that's one of the things I actually like about Seagal is most of his films, he's not like, not all of them, but most of them, he's not like a dad with kids who are being shot up, you know, hard to kill is different, but most of them, he's just a guy um, who kind of gets into these situations. But this is one where he is, he's, he's trying to cleanse his soul, like you said, and head back to his sister's house and hope that brings a little normalcy to himself. And Chris, did you believe that this was it for Seagal? Did you believe he was done? He was not going to see any more action? No. I mean, you know, over the years, he kind of seemed to enter that Zen pacifist mentality. But I think uh, in 1990, we knew that this was basically just the setup for the big fall back into the excessive violence that he was becoming known for. Right. So Uncle John returns home. He, he meets, you know, sees his niece, Tracy, played by Danielle Harris, uh, his sister, Melissa. He meets his, his mom's there. His, the whole family ends up coming over. It's a big family reunion. And then uh, then he even goes up to his old bedroom, Chad. And I have to imagine your bedroom when you were growing up looked very similar to the John Hatchers. Yeah, it, it still looks that way, actually, Brain. Uh, they, have, they haven't changed a single thing. You know, my old football jersey is still hanging there. and Your gun collection. My gun collection, my nunchucks, uh, uh, old crusty sock. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was going to make a crusty jersey joke, but now you went full-blown crusty sock. Your picture with Keith David. I mean, everything's there. <laughs> and speaking of Keith David, he plays a... Uh, Hatcher's good old buddy from high school and who is now the high school football coach, Max. And he goes and visits his buddy and uh, Max can't help but notice there's some guys, some uh, Jamaican drug pushers selling to some of the high school kids nearby. And Hatcher actually is like, you know, nope, nope, just let it go. Let it go, man. Very. So he's playing it up like he's done with this. He He's tried it. And like he told his boss, I mean, all the work they did, I mean, really didn't amount to shit. It's like, like drugs haven't gone away. So it's like, you're just spinning your wheels if you even try to bother with it. Yeah. The dare classes were not working in 1990. They they were not. They were not. And I think it's, it's probably rare for Hatcher to be the one to, uh, to hold back on a situation like that. But he, you can see that he's trying, like he's really trying to stay out of that, that action. But, uh, Keith David ain't taking no shit and this is his town and his school. And, uh, it really seems like there's going to be some sparks flying pretty soon. Yeah. And, and he'll get into it. Like how this is like kind of personally affected him in a bit, but before we get there, we see this Colombian cartel boss meeting up with our Jamaican, uh, drug Lord Screwface, which is a, just an awesome villain. Uh, for sure. And Screwface is kind of, they're pushing their way in to what this used to be the Colombians turf. Uh, but Screwface and his, his posse are looking to uh, break in and he offers the Colombian guy a, an 80, 20 split, which doesn't seem that fair, but uh, we also get a little tease, Chris, of what's to come with Screwface in this scene. Yeah. And uh, I just want to mention that Screwface sounds like, uh, like a Ninja Turtles villain figure. Yes. Like it, it's not something that you would necessarily expect to see 
in a movie like Mark for Death. But, uh, you know, the you know, it, it makes him stand out. And obviously, you know, as we get deeper into the movie, Screwface definitely is one of the most memorable villains, I think, of uh, 90s action cinema. But, yeah, this uh, this goes beyond your usual turf war, uh, blood and guts type of vengeance type stuff because there's a spiritual element to it with the Santeria. Yeah, I was. I, was this Santeria? Because you know, I don't practice Santeria, and no, you ain't got I ain't got no crystal ball. And no, if I had a million dollars, I'd, I'd spend it all. But uh, yeah, so I don't know a lot about Santeria, but I definitely recognize that this was some kind. It's like Santeria versus Voodoo in this thing. Uh, You're singing this twine, though. Thank what? You. Are you? He was. Are you sure? <laughs> so yeah, we we get this spiritual battle, um, and. Uh, there's a ceremony that this this Santera, this this woman yeah. who practices Santeria, it involves a bathtub, a cock, alcohol, yeah. and a cigar. Yeah, that's my. Uh, I had a few parties like that back in my day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's. Uh, she's doing some sort of a sacrifice, so she you know, chugs this bottle of booze, spits on some cock. Slices it up with her machete, um, tokes up on a big cigar, and yeah, I'm not really sure what she was doing there, but yeah, whatever it was, did it for me. Screwface felt a disturbance in the force. After he did. He did indeed. It was actually just some B-roll footage that they shot on set, and they just want to throw it into the movie. That that could be. Yeah, you're right. So now we get into. Our- uh, Max and, and Hatch, they go out on the town. They go to McGilly's Shamrock Saloon, and that reminded me of a little story from my past. When I started wrestling announcing, it was at the beautiful Shamrock Bar in Barberton, Ohio. It's since been torn down. And boy, did I call some doozies in that one. You, the Barber, Barber Town has been torn down, the entire town? Oh, no, the bar. Oh, okay. In Barberton, it has been torn down. It also had a nice cheap motel behind it. A lot of great characters you'd see there. Definitely people you'd, you'd want to uh, lock your car doors for. That would have been Lizard Central. Yeah, it, it was something. But yeah, the, so when I saw the Shamrock, I, I did have some uh, pro wrestling flashbacks there. But uh, this is where Max kind of tells Hatch some of the reason. You kind of get a, the backstory of why he's so fired up about the whole drug problem because – Last year, his best player died from an OD. He had a 13-year-old nephew die in a crack house. So this is a very personal issue uh, with Max and this whole drug problem that's that's in, in the school, Chad. Yeah, it's a nasty thing. I mean, it, you know, these inner cities, are they're being flooded with drugs. And the same, you know, if it, if it was true in 1990, it's even more true today that, uh, you know, protecting people and protecting kids is – is paramount to uh, kind of building their foundation so they can grow into strong people. And as a coach, as a football coach, like he's watching these kids kind of lose their entire lives, uh, not just their futures, but like their, their life, like these kids are dying. So he wants to stop it. And, you know, he just so happens to have a, a certain set of skills to do so. And I think that maybe at some point Max thinks that you know, Hatch is back, like Hatch is going to help me. But now Hatch is the one that's trying to tell him, like, hey, let's cool your jets a bit because you don't know what you're getting into. And then, Chris, we don't get, like, the typical bar. I was like, you know, you would expect, you know, Action Movie 101 is two guys going to the bar. 
a bar fight is going to break out. Well, a fight breaks out, but it's not really your typical bar fight. No, it's a shootout, and it doesn't directly involve our hero or his friend. Like, you would think that it's the perfect setup, like you said, to, you know, do some bonding, some reminiscing, get into a fight with some townies and knock them cold and, you know, set the stage for the big fight later. But instead, they're just uh, wrong place, wrong time, as the Jamaicans get into a turf war shootout and start blowing heads off. And that's when Steven Seagal decides enough is enough and I'm getting back into this shit and I'm going to figure this out. Well, and not, kick some ass. not quite yet, though, because then you had Lieutenant Rosselli, who was played by Kevin Dunn, not the WWE uh, Kevin Dunn, mind you. Yes. Um, but he's with the uh, FBI's organized crime unit. And he's like, hey, Hatch, come. they must obviously work together on, on cases in the past. Right. Why don't you help out? Nope. Not interested, but we do see and meet uh, two of the people who are on, on this uh, posse investigation. Uh, Chad, why don't you take it away? Uh, uh, a young Joanna Pacula, I believe her name is. Pacula. Damn it. Pacula. She's going to send me an email and it's going to be pleasant. But uh, yeah, we meet her. She's like a uh, some sort of historian and... Uh, I don't know. She's like studies voodoo and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then Charles, who is a Jamaican cop, or he's a cop who happens to be Jamaican and they are helping with the investigation and they're experts on this whole posse business. And, um, you know, I think they've actually heard of Hatcher a little bit and he may have heard of them, but even they can't get him to, to jump on board at this point. It's going to take a little bit more of a push. Right, and then we see Screwface uh, track down the uh, Santeria lady, and uh, he takes care of her uh, pretty good. So she's out of the picture, uh, and then we get kind of a little taste of the reggae soundtrack that uh, permeates this film, which would make sense uh, given the uh, Jamaican uh, bad guys involved. Um, and you kind of get a look at this whole op- posse drug operation, but more importantly, uh, Chris, you see the the control that Screwface has over his men. Yeah. A very intimidating character, you know, basically ruling by fear and not a, you know, there, there's no true flaw. I don't, I don't know if flaw is the word, but it's, you know, he, he's a tough nut to crack. There's no humor. There's no give and take. It's the Screwface way or you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. There, there is nothing, there's nothing, uh, to use a wrestling term, there's nothing about him being a cool heel. He is uh, despicable to his core. Yeah, he's pure evil. He, and he may be the most pure heel that th- there is in movies. I don't know, but definitely on the list. Uh, now we get Hatch and Max jogging, and this is kind of where we're just about to get Hatch over the edge. Because Hatch says, you know, he doesn't want to get involved, but he does firmly believe you got to look out for your family. Right. So he, makes that clear and max is like you know what trouble is coming and how prophetic is max in that moment chad yeah it was pretty convenient for them to have that conversation uh seconds before a pot uh one of the uh little jamaican gang posse groups does a drive-by on the house so they they blast up the house pretty good and um basically set hatch off into you know from a a three level of pissed off to like a 10. So you don't want to see Steven Seagal at a 10 because, you know, arms and legs are about to be broken. But uh, yeah, the, when the, when the drive-by goes down, 
bullets are flying and his little niece gets shot. Yep. Tracy shot, rushed to the hospital, clinging to life. We get to Dr. Stein, played by Earl Bowen, who, of course, uh, from the Terminator films is where I recognized him. Um, and and Hatch says, you treat her like she's the president of the United States. Right. And it was Daniel Harris. He should have said, treat her as if she's Daniel Harris because she is. Why didn't yeah, he say that? Um, maybe because at that point, she wasn't <laughs> Danielle Harris. She oh, was, but she, she was. What I'm saying? I get it. She, she, she wasn't the scream queen icon that's that true. she would become. Right. Yeah. Like if now she got to, yes, she'd get very good treatment, I'm sure. Um, now the sister, Melissa, blames her brother for this happening, which, you know, you Makes could sense. see where she would jump to that conclusion um, because they weren't having these problems a few days ago, but now Hatch is back home and all hell's breaking loose. So now Chris Hatch is pissed and uh, now it's personal. Now it is personal. This now he's personal. following his code where, where he said, you know, I'm not going to get involved in this whole drug war, but I'm going to take care of my family. They have now pulled his family involved. So he's in there. So they go and find uh, a guy named Jimmy Fingers because Hatch wants to find Screwface. Yeah, I, I feel like I knew this guy back in college, but this is a different Jimmy Fingers. But this guy, he, he's he got connections with all the bad guys. And usually that is a clear sign that you're not going to make it through a film, especially a Steven Seagal film. So Seagal gets there and just starts beating the crap out of him. He's like, it's not like he's just like kicking him in the face and punching him in the stomach. He's like slapping him. And it's almost like he's having fun beating this guy's face in. Well, he's like really disrespecting him because this guy's like, I'm a made man. You know, yes. so he thinks he's untouchable, but he's, he's getting touched in a very uh, disrespectful and painful manner. And Jimmy Fingers is a Bulletproof Action alumni because uh, the actor that played him, Tony Benedetto, popped up in Blood Fist 3 Whoa. as one of Donaldson's prison friends. So, that, was that was covered by uh, by you, Chris, uh, No Surrender Cinema. So one of one of the early editions of No Surrender So Cinema. is Jimmy Fingers being in Blood Fist, is that like a, he has like a hand thing? Yeah. You know what, see, if you didn't say the word hand, I was going to say we should give you a hand for that <laughs> reference, but we're just stepping over each other's lines. All right. He takes any hand job he can get is what I heard. Yeah. Oh, hand over fist. That's why he's making money. True that. And then we get, so yeah, so Jimmy tries to shoot uh, John. That doesn't work out for him at all. And then one of the posse guys shows up to help Jimmy. But uh, instead of confessing or telling uh, John what he wants to know, he just jumps out the window saying, whatever you do to me is not anywhere near what Screwface could do to me. So screw it. I'm jumping out the window. And then we get probably the best line in the entire movie. Chad Cruz, you want to take it? Oh my God. It's good. So Hatcher... The, the, one of the problems with this film is he doesn't get enough of these lines. He gets several. He gets a handful. Uh, and Seagal's delivery is always on point with these. But uh, he gets back into the truck and Max is, asks him what happened there. And uh, he said, one thought he was invisible. The other thought he could fly. One thought he was invincible. The other thought he could fly. They were both wrong. Right. There you go. Yeah. He's not John Cena. We could see him. Take, All right. take two. Cut cut that first one out. I'm not going to. I'm not Damn editing it. anything. Uh, uh, so then the next day, the FBI finds the bodies, and, and Sal instantly is like, yep, Hatch is back in, in business here. 
Yeah. This guy's dead and this guy jumped out a window, hatches back. Right. Uh, so now, though, the news hits Screwface, Chris, that uh, old Hatcher killed one of his boys and uh, troubles ahead. That's it. Yep. Screwface is going all eye for an eye. And uh, I guess you could say our hero is going to wind up with uh, the title of the movie being implied because he is soon marked for death by Screwface. That's right. The cow's tongue is on his, on the door of his sister's home. And uh, when he goes to visit Leslie, uh, who knows about all this voodoo, she knows how to do the voodoo that she does. But uh, she's like, yeah, the cow's tongue equals marked for death. So yeah, he's in some trouble. And now we know why they named the movie, what they named it. Uh, So obviously Hatch is like, oh crap. This ain't good. He calls calls his sister. In the middle of the thing, the line goes dead, and uh, she has some unwanted visitors. Chad Cruz. Yeah. Once once the the phone cuts out, I think Hatch is pretty sure what's going down because um, you know they, they were supposed to have a police uh, like security outside the house, and she looks out the window and sees that they're missing. So it's already a bad bad sign. So Hatch jumps in his in his uh, muscle car. And just starts storming down the road, um, and I, I didn't see the cow's tongue when he got there. They must have moved that. I wonder if they cooked it up because I heard that's a delicacy. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe they just threw it away, Chad. They should have named the movie "Cow's Tongue." Maybe in some areas it was released as that. Perhaps in Jamaica. I don't know. So. The sister, she's like getting, she's on the, do they have her on the coffee table? Anyway, she's being tortured. Yeah. She's on the coffee table. There's candles all over the place. How do they have all that time to light those candles? I don't know, but they lit a shit ton of candles. Yeah, she she realizes there's somebody in the house, the guy from uh, the Mark Dacascus film. And they chase oh, her. Yeah. Yes. They chase her down. They take her downstairs and they tie her up to the coffee table, which just so happened to be body length coffee table and they start drawing smiley faces on her chest and i don't know <laughs> like chicken blood on your face it's, it sounds like it did yes yeah exactly so um but they're they're about to do something terrible to her when hatch finally shows up in his car and uh kicks the door in so they they disappear pretty quickly yeah they they got out just in the nick of time um and now though so now hatch and uh, Max do a little stakeout action the next day. And this is probably one of the, the bigger action pieces of the whole film, Chris, uh, because we get a car chase uh, that goes all over the place and eventually ending in a, like a, a boutique. Yeah, they uh, crash into uh, you know, a, a plaza, mall, whatever you would really want to call it. And then it's uh, Max and Hatch against the gang. And it's a little bit of everything, like an action cornucopia with how they deal with these guys. Yeah. Right after the car chase, you get this. There's some shooting. There's some uh, hand-to-hand combat. And, of course, the famous Chad Cruz, Steven Seagal, just snapping arms. Oh, my God. It's so great. It's almost like the it's a second soundtrack when you're watching a Seagal movie because all the breaking bones. But, yeah, they this scene is, is one – it's got to be, you know, if, if you love this film – it's probably because this chase scene that ends in, you know, 
like him just beating the shit out of all these guys. I don't think he ever gets touched at any point. I don't think Seagal ever gets grazed by a punch. Um, it is just a squash match, uh, but it's so much fun to watch because he does it so well, and it's really his his biggest strength as an action star. Yeah, and you don't expect – I mean, like you see a car chase, and it's like, okay, this is going to be a car chase. You do not expect it to end the way it's going to end here where, where they just actually get physical with one another. Right. That's not usually how these things go in these films. So you kind of zig when you thought they were going to zag. So I, I like it. That's scene of the week worthy uh, material right there too. Uh, it, it certainly is. All right. From there, uh, we get Seagal. Now, uh, well, wait a minute. Where am I? Oh yes. First he goes to visit uh, Leslie and she's now seeming a little smitten, but this, th- that kind of doesn't really go anywhere, Chris. It's like you would think they would were developing the little romance, but Hatch ain't got time for, for love. No, you get a, a slight tease of it, but uh, yeah, there's no time for titillation when you've got to protect your family and avenge the attack on your niece and your sister. So she kind of gives him the 411 on what he needs to do to take down the posse, and, and that's basically you, you got you to gotta take out Screwface and show that, you know, kind of take his magic away, basically. Um, but that's easier said than done. And then we get Seagal, Chad, against some heavy machinery next. Yeah, I think there was a real missed opportunity with with that last scene because he could have, you know, she's she's smitten with him. He could have been like, you know, kind of cozying up to her and said, "Speaking of Screwface," and he could have. Yeah, let let's take a moment there because let's pretend for a moment this was a Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Yes, there would be one hundred percent. Van Damme be getting some action at this point. Yeah, he would have been like, you know, let's not think about that right now. And he would have dropped trowel right in front of her. You would have got a, you would have got an ass shot for sure. Oh yeah. And then he would have dipped out while she was still asleep and taking with care the, of business. Yeah, with the information she gave him. Yeah. And that would have given enough time for this heavy machinery to show up where he's supposed to be going. But it is Steven yeah. Seagal movie, so we did not get that, Chris. We yeah. Get the, Machinery. Or Chad, whoever wants to talk about it. Well, you know, Seagal, he does leave Leslie's and uh, he's driving his cool little car down the road. And then all of a sudden, uh, from out of nowhere, some construction equipment appears, which is what I would, would say is a bad sign. Um, he gets blocked in. And they start throwing Molotov cocktails through his car, into his car. Uh, his windshield's all smashed down, and there's like a bulldozer just smashing his hood down and shit. And Screwface comes up, and essentially he's just like, like you're dead, dude. See you later. I'm going to walk away and assume you you die in this fiery explosion. Right. It's our, it's our first face-to-face with our, our main hero and our main villain. But, yeah, Chris, he couldn't avoid doing the classic uh, movie villain no he couldn't but you have to admit the amount of the length that he went to to try to end Seagal so easily usually in uh, the movies you know our beloved action movies you can kind of see where the villain is almost purposely allowing the hero to continue on for the final fight but the characterization of Screwface really continues to shine as an evil bastard because this is no cartoony, I'll let you live just this once. Like, this is a guy who wants to see Hatch dead and buried as soon as he possibly can. Yeah, he's not playing. And, and he again, it, 
part of that is probably just that that power play wants to show his men like this is what happens when someone screws with us right you know we're not we don't play around you guys can't get it done i'm going to show you how to do it lead by example absolutely so after this hatch does uh spoiler alert he does escape chad yeah he Um, does and with a sweet like uh somersault like away from the the explosion and he pulls his gun at the same time it's pretty sweet actually yeah definitely something that 1990 steven seagal could do yes Uh, i don't think uh 2020 2021 steven seagal would stand a chance he'd be dead i don't think 2002 steven seagal could do it you you make a valid point there yes Uh, so then uh, Hatch and Max go visit uh, a firearms guy. And everybody should have a firearms guy, shouldn't they? Um, and uh, he kind of gets them all ready to go because they're planning a major assault on uh, Screwface after you know nearly killing Hatch. Um, and that's about the time where Charles shows up as well, Chad. Yeah, it's a cool scene with the firearms guy because in movies, uh, these heroes just like, appear with tons of guns and you're like, where the hell did they get these guns? But we get to see these guys, uh, buy the, the firearms from this dude and using all his contacts from his past career. You know, he already knew this guy, you know, has a family kind of thing. So he gets the weapons. And then when Charles shows up, um, they're not convinced that Charles is the right kind of fit for their crew until Charles starts telling them some info on Screwface, uh, having gone back to Jamaica and they're like, okay, you know, we need you as much as you need us. So right. let's rock. Let's do it, Mon. That's right. And then we get a little A-team type action, Chris, with a little montage. Yeah, these guys put weapons together the way I put Legos together with my son. I like it. You mean in montage, right? Filling bullets yeah. and you know, cutting barrels off and laser sights. Oh, we, yeah. get a, we get a whole montage of weapon making, and they make it seem so simple for a football coach and his uh, cop buddy. I, I have a suggestion, if I may uh, say it here on the on this podcast. For our YouTube channel, I now want uh, Toy Man and, and Zach montage building a Lego with the A-Team music on it. Well, we probably can't use the A-Team music, but something similar. Uh, we need a, a team like montage of you building a Lego weapon, is what I'm saying. I mean, he's familiar with the show and the song. Maybe we could just hum it there as we we're go. building. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so, Air Jamaica, here we come. Uh, and the first stop is visiting one of uh, Screwface's former ladies at a club. And uh, she tells uh, Hatch some very important information about Screwface and his magic, Chad Cruz. Yeah, there's a couple pieces of important information for this film that, that happens kind of quickly in these scenes. And that's... They get to Jamaica and they, you know, uh, Max and, and Hatch, maybe not Hatcher so much, but but Max especially, realizes that not all Jamaica is full of drug dealers and, and uh, hoodlums and posses and what have you. So he's like, they're kind of humanizing uh, Jamaicans in general after they've already just like kind of pigeonholed them into this this one group. But uh, so that, that was actually nice to see. But then they actually talked to one of uh, Screwface's ladies and and she's talking about like like yeah i partied with him before and she says the secret to his magic is that he has two head and four eyes right which is really any man who wears glasses but you know 
again, it sounds, it sounds quite true. sinister the way that she puts it. Uh, so yeah, now uh, we've got Max, Charles, and Hatcher all going to uh, Screwface's um, home, his compound, if you will, and uh, he's throwing a party because what what else would a drug dealer be doing? Having parties, getting his product out there. Um, they got sniper rifles. There's bombs. There's night vision glasses. All this great stuff they got uh, from the uh, the arms guy, and and we get a little bit of a firefight. Chad Cruz. Yeah, it's pretty cool because all those guns we just saw in the montage. You know, big surprise. They're getting to use all of those uh, in different ways, and and Hatcher kind of is the inside guy. He goes inside inside the little mansion or whatever you want to call it, and. Uh, the other two are kind of outside, you know, laying down suppressive fire and, and taking out people who are on the balconies and whatnot. But it's pretty cool because they cut the power and he's using night vision goggles and it, it looks legit. You know what I mean? It looks like a professional set this up and it wasn't just like a dude who jumped through the window with a machine gun blowing everybody away. Because, you know, when you see that in the film, one man versus 40 guys is, is tough already. But if you can kind of even the odds a little bit by cutting the lights and having you know, superior firepower, then maybe I'll jump on board with it. And the lights weren't the only thing that we're about to yeah. get. Cut. <laughs> and, and I was going to say, that's, I think that's important from early on when, when he's in his bedroom and you, you kind of see that, you know, him and Max had military training too. So it yeah. kind of makes sense that they, they could plan a, an assault like this, not just like, oh, I was just a beat cop and, you know, right. it, they, there's some sense to it. And, and yes, Chris, take it away. So, you know, although it is a very uh, extensive militant style operation, uh, Hatch is captured briefly, but uh, he hulks up and uh, starts thwarting his attackers. And that leads to a showdown with Screwface that ends rather abruptly when Screwface is decapitated yep. by Hatch. Yep. And I remember, I think the first time I saw this, I like joined it in this movie in progress. So I'm thinking, okay, this is it. And I, I remember like, you know, again, I didn't know exactly where I was runtime wise on this film. So I'm like, oh, wow, that was kind of an abrupt ending <laughs> to this. You know, and usually there's a, a bit of big, more of a buildup and a climax to the, the final showdown. So I was like, oh, well, that's kind of odd. But well, we find out this really isn't the end of the movie. Um even though he did chop off Screwface's head and they go back to Chicago with Screwface's head and his whole little staff sword gimmick that he carried around and is like, goes up to the posse and like, okay, we killed your, your we killed your boss. It's all over, but they're just kind of like standing there dumbfounded. And then the big surprise, Chad Cruz. Oh, it's a really cool scene. I don't, I can't think of another movie that has done it this way before, which, which is cool. Um, but yeah, they go to the, the posse to say, Hey, Screwface is dead. We killed him. They hold up the, the severed head and everyone's like, Oh shit. You know, like they're all looking at it like that's crazy. Uh, and they're basically, it's like, all right, go back to Kingston or wherever y'all came from. Like, get out of here, get out of town. This, you know, this isn't your spot anymore. And then all of a sudden they're kind of backpedaling out when, uh, their buddy Charles is run through, by a sword mm. and uh, the man behind that sword is none other than Screwface. Right. How in the version hell two, right. V2. Right. Uh, and then we get, uh, uh, now we get more of the big final fight, Chris between Screwface number two and hatch 
and a sword fight. And that's, you know, a, another kind of rarity. You're not, you don't see too many sword fights in, in an action movie, especially you know, at this time. Jamaican drug Lord sword fights. Right. Yeah. You don't expect that in a movie about, yeah, a drug Lord <laughs> and, and a, a D former DEA guy. It's just, it was kind of a, a another pleasant surprise in this film. And uh, this is a pretty a, a great fight, a great final fight. A lot of uh, memorable moments in this one, Chris. Yeah, Seagal was not someone who I would say was necessarily known for his sword play. But it is a, a worthy climax to the film, and it is something different. And I think it's another reason why this film kind of stands out, because it went a bit against the grain from what was expected of people like Seagal and Schwarzenegger and other action stars of the time. Yeah, and again, it, like we said earlier, he didn't kind of do the whole romantic love interest thing. Uh, honestly, we don't ever really know what happens to his niece either. Um, it just kind of... We assume right. she's okay. At one point okay. they said she's she was gone. stable, so that's good. Yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, this fight is pretty brutal. Hatch puts his thumbs in, in Screwface's eyes. And oh, that's beautiful. That's some, then he breaks his back, makes him humble. Uh, they go through a wall. Uh, and then, like, if that's not enough, I mean, the guy's back is broken. Yeah. But he throws him down this shaft, and then we get one of the great impale, impalement deaths in, in action movie history. Um, and then, then we get the other great line in this film, Chris. Uh, when he hopes that they weren't triplets. So, I mean, technically, even though it's been 30 years, the door is still open. <laughs> yeah. For Mark to forget too. That is very true. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of that, you know, after he, you know, he kills him like four times in like five seconds, uh, the camera kind of pans up and all his like posse buddies are just sitting there looking at it like, oh my. <laughs> like they just happened to be right there and seeing it all happen. So it's pretty cool. And one thing that you have to give credit to the film to is they didn't exactly let our heroes walk away triumphantly because the movie closes with Keith David limping and Steven Seagal carrying the body yeah. of Charles down the street. So there's no prideful walk. Right. They are, you know, they're, they're struggling to stay on their feet. You know, they're, they're carrying their deceased friend with them. It's like, all right, you know, we did it. It's done. But there's no ticker tape parade. There's no celebration. There's no happy reunion. It, it ends on kind of a melancholy note. Yeah. 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 You don't have the big celebration. And it just kind of, like you said, kind of ends there kinda pretty abruptly, too. And then we just we go to the John Crow song, which uh, actually Seagal performed on that song. Jed, did you know that? Uh, I did know that. Yes. Is that on your YouTube playlist? We're good friends. I mean, he, he told me. All right. Well. So there it is, Mark for Death, uh, our first Steven Seagal movie here on Bulletproof, the Bulletproof Podcast. Uh, final thoughts on it, Chris? Uh, like I said earlier, it's it's one of the better Seagal efforts. It's probably my favorite Seagal film. Uh, very memorable. Uh, one of the greatest villains in action movie history. Uh, Screwface is definitely up there. Uh, I would say that he would probably come in at least top three if we ever do any type of uh, major villain countdown. And solid supporting cast, uh, not much in the way of distraction, not much in the way of boredom, just a good way to spend 90 minutes of your time. Yeah, it's part of that first, you know, five years or so of Seagal's career that was just amazing. And he really could do no wrong, you know, just being who he was like this is 
this movie is really epitomizes what he did as a, as an actor is uh, you know, he didn't waste time with romances or uh, you know, connecting with people. He just beat the shit out of people and broke their arms and killed people, which was awesome. Yeah. Especially for the early nineties. So yeah, the movie's super fun. Screwface sounds like a Dick Tracy villain, but he turned out to be way cooler. And the gimmick with him being twins is even better. I mean, this came out the same year as Home Alone. Um, which movie is more violent? Mm, probably this one. But yeah, still another awesome film. Yeah, again, I, I said it at the top of this. Uh, this is my favorite Seagal movie. And just it was a, a great progression, his career at this point. It just kept building, 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 building. And I think that's why Under Siege was definitely his most profitable and his, his biggest hit. Um, because he was building up all this goodwill along the way. And then he just got that, that right movie there and that just blew up for him. Um, and then um, unfortunately though, that's also kind of where the decline started after that. Um, yeah. He kind of got his nut with under siege and then it was all downhill from there. Right. So uh, Mark for death, a uh, great movie. If you haven't seen it in a while, definitely want to revisit it. If you've never seen it, what the hell's wrong with you? Check it out. Um, and know what else you should check out? bulletproofaction.com the official website of the bulletproof podcast something new each and every day uh we're into january and i don't know i don't know if i have anything i know we're going to be celebrating lorenzo lamas's birthday later in the month which that's exciting yes so we've got that and who knows what else we have up our sleeves the one way you can know is if you check it out bulletproofaction.com chris what's going on at figure toy company anything new all right. Well, yeah, there's plenty new. I mean, now that we're out of the Christmas rush, uh, you know, if you've got that Christmas cash burning a hole in your pocket or if you're looking for something new, there is plenty to pick up at figurestoycompany.com. Uh, from the world of wrestling, the first ever Scott Norton, Vince Russo, bad boy Joey Janela, and Shane Strickland, a.k.a. Isaiah Swerve Scott action figures are all in stock right now. Uh, we've also got new releases from the DC Comics retro series. Uh, we've got Swamp Thing, Harlequin and Metamorpho, and uh, we've even got two versions of Jesus. Uh, that's right. There is an action figure based on uh, the old JC himself, uh, and I do not mean Jim Cornette, although there are more of him in the works. Uh, lots of stuff in stock now, lots of stuff to look forward to over at figurestoycompany.com. You can follow us to see what we've got and more on social media. We are at Figures Toy Co. on Twitter. Uh, look up Figures Toy Company on Facebook and Instagram by the company name. And you can also check us out at WrestlingSuperstore.com for all of your wrestling figure accessory needs. Uh, we've got some old school ECW DVDs, Ring of Honor replica belts now on sale for $200. And Wrestling Superstore also on social media. Look up the company name on Instagram and Facebook. And it's at W-R-E-S underscore Superstore on Twitter. And if you want to follow me, checking out my reviews on Bulletproof Action, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Malibu for plenty of pop culture goodness. Uh, The latest No Surrender Cinema just went up the other day. I covered Money Talks, which is currently streaming on HBO Max right now. And uh, our good buddy RTG uh, hooked a brother up for January's No Surrender Cinema which is going to be uh, a new release. He sent me an advanced copy of a film that I will be reviewing. So we'll get something nice and new in the first NSC of the go. new year. And uh, while we're plugging social media, how about following the Bulletproof podcast on Twitter at Bulletproof pod. And of course at Bulletproof action on Instagram and on Facebook, Chad Cruz next time out. 
another action star that we've yet to cover on the podcast, Sonny Chiba. Have you selected our Sonny Chiba movie yet? Oh, boy. Put me on the spot here. I have got it narrowed down to just a handful, uh, but I feel like I need to say The Street Fighter. I need to say that because that is the one that most people will have seen. But uh, I think, you know, Karate Warriors, I think uh, uh, Karate Boy, Bullfighter, um, Doberman Cop. Immortal Combat. What was that? Immortal Combat. Immortal Combat, another great one. See, that one I didn't even think of. That is a great one. Uh, I think that's available on YouTube as well. Um, well we, might to, we might have to put up a poll. I think a poll would work well because the, uh, he, he's done such so many films and everyone like to me, my it's probably not, I don't know. One of my favorite Sonny Chiba movies is GI Samurai time slip, but some many people probably haven't seen that one. If they had seen it, they would love it. I guarantee it. But uh, it's, it's a uh, kind of a lesser known film, but he's got so many good ones. I think a poll would probably be worthy for this case. Okay, well, we will see what's available uh, for everybody, and then we will uh, go from there. So, again, keep your eyes open on our social media at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter. We will put a Twitter poll up, and you guys will decide which of the uh, Sonny Chiba movies we'll be covering since Chad Cruz can't do anything. And there's a lot of good ones on Prime, I Hate You, and Tubi, I Hate You. But uh, thank you, Brain. Why do you hate these things? Uh, no. I understand. Oh, you, you were directing that towards yeah, me. That was to you. Yeah. Oh, go fuck yourself. Okay, so that's all we got the time we have, I think. Uh, we're wrapping this thing up. Thank you, Chris, as always. And uh, the fans love you, so I'm sure we'll have you back on here sooner than later. Uh, but for Chad Cruz and Christy Petrillo, I am Chris the Brain. Thank you, as always, for listening. And stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.